can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. G'day folks, Peter here. Welcome back to Mondays Down Under on the Talking Pools podcast. Uh, Here alone today, Shane's gone and lost his voice again. Don't know what it is down there. Maybe you're pushing yourself too hard on too little sleep with a newborn there, buddy. Um, Rest up, look after yourself, have you back on the air soon. I'd like to take today as an opportunity to respond to a couple of communications I've had with people lately. Uh, Both are listeners, one wasn't at the time but is now, and they've contacted me directly with a couple of questions that I'd like to uh, just like to share with you and discuss some some answers to them. The first was a discussion I had with a pool technician in Townsville which is in North Queensland and I'm over in Perth so we're on opposite ends of the country And we had a bit of a disagreement about the way we approach certain things. Now, I mentioned to him, we've got completely different climates. I live in a very Mediterranean style climate. North Queensland is tropical. So of course there are gonna be major, major differences in some of the uh, approaches we take to things. So I'd like to give you an idea of the scale of Australia. Uh, and bringing Shane into it from Auckland. Uh, I'll mention some measurements there. When you think of Australia, a lot of people think of somewhere very small. Mainland Australia is about the same size as the lower 48 states in the USA. So it's a big country. For me to get from Perth here to Townsville, where the uh, the other guy lives there, that's almost 3,400 kilometers, so about 2,100 miles. So that's a long way and a big difference in longitude, latitude. I don't know, I'm not a geographer. Basically, they're a lot further north. That means they're a lot closer to the equator. We're in Southern Hemisphere, remember? So the, the whole climate is completely different. Many of you will be more familiar with Sydney on the east coast of Australia. Uh, You've heard of the Harbour Bridge and the Opera House and you've probably seen Finding Nemo and heard about it there. Perth to Sydney uh, is just a little bit less than that. Uh, 3,300 kilometres, that's just a touch over 2,000 miles. Again, there are differences in the climates that we have there. To put that in perspective, that's about the same distance as San Diego, California, across to Tampa, Florida. So that's the type of distances we're talking here. Now, a lot of people think of New Zealand, and I've made a couple of jokes, which probably got mixed mixed responses. New Zealand is its own country. It's not part of Australia, although we do love to joke about that. Where Shane lives in Auckland 
is almost five and a half thousand kilometers. That's about just over 3,300 miles from where I am. Uh, so you're talking something, yes, I know that's west to east. If we convert it north to south, that's about the same distance as Anchorage, Alaska to Houston in Texas. So really big place. I've seen it a lot on online forums, Facebook groups, things like that. People taking very, very different views on certain aspects of pools. Please, please just consider maybe you're in completely different climates. I know that years ago when I first heard about cold weather climates uh, having their pools shut down, uh, you know, closed for the winter, for us that means basically you stick a sign on the gate saying pool closed and apart from that it just runs normally. I wouldn't want to try that in a very cold climate. Uh, as we saw in the big freeze a few years ago in Texas, uh, I think a world of pain could come from it. The other thing while I'm talking about different countries, Australia is big, but we've only got about 26, 27 million population. So that's across the entire country. Imagine most but not all of the population of Texas spread across the entire lower 48 of the USA, and that's basically our population density. We're very metropolitan. So, for example, my hometown, Perth, 75% um, of my state's population live in Perth. That's an area of just under 6,500 square kilometres or just under 2,500 square miles. The rest of the population lives in the rest of the state, a state that's about 3.8 times the size of Texas. So I hope this gives you some perspective as to why Shane and I might have some different approaches to the way we, we attack problems or the way we maintain pools. And certainly as you discuss online or in person with people from different areas in whichever country you're in or even across the globe, climate is everything. So glad to have cleared that up. Another communication I received was an email from someone who's very experienced in our industry. Uh, shout out to David there. I know you listen to every Talking Pools podcast episode. Uh, it, David does a lot with commercial pools, compliance, planning, problem solving, equipment. That's really his baby. And he's been doing it for a very long time in both Australia and New Zealand. And he sent me an email with a dilemma that's seen sometimes in the industry here. And that is a client, a homeowner with a pool, whoever it may be, goes to a pool store. They get their water tested, get their treatment plan, get told, right, these are the chemicals you need. This is how much you need to add. It works. Customer's happy. Comes back again at varying frequencies until at some point they don't come back. Maybe it's that something suggested didn't get the result they expected. Maybe they find they're spending too much money on their pool. Maybe they just decide to change. They were discussing with a friend who said, oh, don't go there, go to this place instead. So after a while, the customer goes to a second pool shop, changes pool store. 
and the person at the store there, and the same thing can happen with mobile service technicians, mobile services. Person at the second store or the second tech who goes out there says, not sure who's been looking after your pool, but it's, it's wrong. This is what you need to add. This is what you need to do. Customer usually pays and follows the advice, but they're less patient than they were with the first store. Again, returns at a variety of frequencies until something causes them to change their mind again. So they go to a third pool shop. The person here says, oh, I'm not sure who's been looking after your pool, but the chemistry is all wrong. Here's what you need to add. Here's how much you need to add of it. Here's your bill. And at that point, customers will often start to wonder about the industry. Hang on. I've been to three supposed experts got three different pieces of advice and approaches to pool care, and two of them said, oh, the others don't know what they're doing. So the client then often decides the pool industry are a bunch of tossers, is the word in the email I received. So the pool industry is a bunch of tossers and goes to the hardware store or the department store to buy their chemicals. Now, there's a couple of things here, and two of them are mentioned in the email. I'd like to go a bit further than that. First of all, you can balance water with different readings because you've got the ranges, you've got the parameters. Let's say, for example, you've got total alkalinity of 80 to 120, the standard, and you've got calcium hardness of 200 to 400. It's possible to balance it when your TA is low with a high calcium hardness or vice versa. So there is room for movement within that. The other thing is, let's take the LSI, for example. Yeah, there is a range. It doesn't have to be bang on zero. If it's, you know, a couple of points on the scale above zero or below zero, zero being balanced, then, yeah, the water can still be balanced. The other thing mentioned there is... How do you know what preceded these tests? Did the customer have particular requirements? The example is given of one of David's customers in Auckland. They wanted their pool water to run at a pH of 6.5 because they found that this helped with their child's medical condition. Now, by keeping that at 6.5, we are really treading some dangerous ground because none of the recommended ranges or legal requirements I know of and I've ever heard of allow for pH in pool water of 6.5. So there may be some constraints at play. But I'd like to add on to this email, there's something else, inconsistency. First of all, how was the test taken? Was it taken each time from the same part of the pool, ideally halfway between the return inlets and the skimmer box? Was it taken at elbow depth? And I hope I'm not stomping on Wayne's uh, toes here from Testing Thursdays on Talking Pools podcast. Uh, Wayne goes into a lot of this stuff in great detail. I think that should be compulsory listening for anyone working in pool water maintenance. So which part of the pool? Was it taken deep enough? Was the sample container cleaned properly? 
was it then rinsed several times in the pool water that's being tested, just to remove and dilute any contaminants that may remain from previous testing. One thing I've seen quite often is taking too long to get the sample from the pool to the pool shop. I tell my customers, if you're going to do that, aim for under 10 minutes. I was once at a pool shop. A customer came in and I said to her, when when did you get the sample? What? How old is this sample? And she said, oh, I picked it up last night, got it out of the pool last night and talked through it with her. She'd collected it the previous evening. This was late in the afternoon, about four o'clock uh, on the following day that the test was being done. It sat on the kitchen bench overnight, fairly stable temperature, I guess. But the real clincher was that it had been sitting in her car all day. That car was parked in the full sun all day. That day was 38 Celsius. That's about 100 Fahrenheit. Now, I don't know if you've ever left a water bottle in the car or your, your service vehicle, and without thinking on a hot day, you've gone, picked it up to grab it, take a swig, and it's like warm water. Yes, temperature affects water chemistry. So it's very, very difficult to get an accurate test when samples have been taken that long before the test and subject to that much temperature variation. The So that's something there that's important. Another thing we need to look at is how was it tested in the pool store? You all know my absolute hatred of test strips. You know that, I've said it before, I'm not going to bore you again. Just don't. I've seen pool stores that use test strips. I've seen ones that use dropper bottle type, type tests, colour comparison, DPD tablets, that type of thing. Now, seeing most pool shops are indoors with artificial lighting, you've got to be careful in how you interpret those results. Uh, personally, I'm a big fan of photometers. The problem is they are expensive. Uh, I use the Lamotte Spin, for example, and yeah, it's a few dollars for every test disc that I use. So that does add up, especially if you're a pool store that offers free chemical testing. If a photometer is being used, though, do they get calibrated regularly? I was speaking with another pool technician in my area earlier today. In fact, we've chatted a couple of times over the last few days. Uh, g'day, Joseph. I know you're listening to Talking Pools now. It'll do you the world of good, son. Now, he was saying that there were some pool shops he's worked out in the past where the photometers were never calibrated. Some were calibrated once when they got them. Uh, my machine, that requires that the, or, or the manufacturer recommends that the calibration be tested once a month. So there's a special calibration disc that goes in. You put that in there, put the settings to the calibration test. It'll then give you a number of readings which you compare to a chart on the packaging for the calibration disc. Now, I figure because I operate a mobile service these days, it's subject to temperature variations in the truck. 
it gets beaten about a, li a little bit more, gets beaten around a little bit more than a machine that's just sitting on a desk in an air-conditioned pool, pool store. So I calibrate my photometers weekly. That is, I test the calibration. They have to be sent away to be actually calibrated. Uh, I've never found them to be out. But what I don't want to have happen is be out on a job. It gives false readings. I act accordingly. The water chemistry is stuffed. And somebody potentially gets injured or ill. For example, if it gives too high a chlorine reading when it's actually zero, there's all sorts of pathogens going to be growing in that water and living in that water, just waiting for some unsuspecting swimmer to jump in and get infected. So there's some things as well. Another point I like to make is when we do chemistry testing, it's so important that we look at the big picture. Not only the type of equipment they've got, I've spoken before about variances in salt level requirements between different saltwater chlorinators, for example, but also if we just take it at face value, let the photometer zip it into the computer, which magically gives us a whole heap of numbers of what needs to be added, there may be things that it doesn't consider. And we can't always assume that the customer knows. For example, mineral salt pools are a big thing here. We'll often get total hardness readings that are high off the charts, you know, often approaching a 1,000. And I'll say to the customer, ah, are you running magnesium salts in this pool? Oh, I don't know. And often they don't because that's going to affect the readings that you get. And it's also going to affect sometimes how we go about rectifying these things. Another thing that perhaps I should have mentioned earlier, when a customer's been to pool store A or B or C, did they actually follow the instructions? I've been to more customers' homes than I can count and seen bags of chemicals, uh, bottles of chemicals, all in their shed, normally on a little flimsy shelf if you know, the neighbor's cat gets in there and knocks something over, there's probably going to be an explosion. But quite often, they're unopened bags of chemicals. And I say, why did you buy these? Oh, the pool shop told me I needed to buy them. Well, did they tell you to buy them and add them to your pool? Or did they tell you to buy them and just leave them on a shelf in your shed for all eternity? Oh, no, they said to add it, but I didn't get around to it. So we don't know if the customers added it. Secondly, we don't know if the customers added the correct amounts of each. I was speaking with one customer going back a year or so ago, I guess. It, well, actually, no, two, three years ago now it would be. And I said to him, look, you did the test, first-time customer. I said, look, your levels are all out here. What's been added? Have you been to a, you've said you've been to a pool shop? Do you have their printouts? And he, he filed them all, and it was very organized. And he showed me these results, and I said, okay, so you added, you measured them out? And he said, oh, no, I just put the whole packet in. I said, well, when it says to add, I don't know, half a kilo, that's a bit more than a pound in the old terms, if it says to add that, why are you adding two kilos? Why are you adding four times the prescribed amount? So 
the customer often doesn't take the care that's required. Hey, some of the pool guys out there don't take the care that's required. But we should be taking that care and we should also take great pains to let the customer know, to teach the customer, look, this is serious stuff. This is a balancing act between different chemicals. It's knowing that if we add this chemical, it's going to have that side effect on top of what we want it to do. For example, if the calcium hardness in a pool is very high, I wouldn't recommend CalHypo as a sanitizer. Likewise, if the stabilizer, the cyanurate level is very high, I wouldn't recommend they go with dichlor or trichlor. So we've got to be aware of that. And we've really got to explain to the customers, look, it all sounds very simple. I might make it look simple. I would hope it looks simple when I do something I've been doing for close on 30 years. So educating them and telling them the importance of following their instructions, our instructions, is it's just crucial. Things can go very, very wrong. But going back to David's email, he poses a question at the end about these pool shops. You've got to bear in mind, we don't know the full story when we're in a pool shop and a customer gets tested, gets the water tested. Some customers need their head tested, but let's not go into that. Rather than saying, not sure who's been looking after your pool, but it's all wrong, it's a train wreck, the better approach may well be, based on what I understand, based on the information in front of me here now, I would recommend you consider this approach instead. When we start beating up on other members of our own industry, it brings our whole standard down. It does make make us look a little bit like a, where has he got it? A bunch of tossers. And it doesn't benefit any single one of us. Short episode today. I hope you get something from it. Have a think about the way that uh, you go about it. Maybe you're doing it perfectly. Maybe you could use a little bit of work. Uh, any questions on this, feel free to reach out, talkingpools at gmail.com. Uh, Rudy will then send the questions off to the best post to present on it. Uh, as I say, these ones did go a little bit into Wayne's territory for testing Thursdays. Uh, they were questions that I received directly and personally. Hope you have a fantastic week. Hope you don't take Shane's example and lose your voice and get sick. Uh, Hope it's going well for you out there. Stay safe. Make lots of money. Have a great week. Baru. just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People, for the Pool People, by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. 
So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor, click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 